Let's turn to Luke chapter 13 for our scripture reading, and then we'll get into our message. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spear for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward, and he said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Don't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey and from the stall lead it out and give it water. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with wonderful things he was doing. All right. We've already prayed, but how many of you, maybe at some point in time, you heard it in the history, or maybe you've heard it in recent times, have heard something that kind of comes off like this. How many of you have an ache or an ailment? How many of you have an illness or an injury? If there's a physical problem concerning you, is there a sickness you want to get rid of? What have I told you right here, right now, is the newest wonder drug, a cure-all elixir for all that ails you. It will take away your sickness, heal your diseases, and so much more. It will soothe the sore muscles. It will grow strong muscles. It will take the hair off of ladies' legs and put hair back on man's head. Yes, sir, bub. This is the bee's knees. There is nothing like it. We've got it right here, guaranteed to set you free with just one drink. You know, after a while of things like that, we can become skeptical of promises of healing. When throughout the years there have been hucksters that are peddling their astounding promises with impossible, impossible claims that never seem to come true. Except maybe that feeling of being set free by the drink that they're talking about because it's fire water or there's some real drug in it. I don't know. And yet we shouldn't throw the baby of healing out with the dirty bathwater of everything that's around us. You see, there was one who was an answer. There was one who was the cure-all. And he is still here today. The one who wants to set us free from sickness and his name is Jesus. Not just as Savior, but as our healer. We see in this passage here today, Jesus doing just that. That Jesus can set us free from sickness. But he is looking for something first. Before he sets us free from that sickness. There are three ways that we're going to look at what Jesus is looking for. Number one, as we get in here, is Jesus looks at your distress. Jesus looks at your distress. He sees what you're going through. Verse 12 states, as you look, and, and please keep your Bibles open to Luke 13, uh, because that is a place we'll just keep going off of here. In verse 12, it says, Jesus saw her. He turned his attention towards her. In fact, the word that it's used there that says Jesus saw her doesn't mean Jesus had a quick glance. Oh, hey, I saw that person. No, that word means to inspect, 
to examine her condition. Jesus really notices what's going on with us. He notices our distress because He cares. And we see that so many different times. Like the scriptures that are up here in Matthew in 14 and verse 20, or in chapter 20, where it talks about how He had compassion on them and what? Healed the sick. It's not just His compassion. Like He just had compassion on people. That's what Jesus is. No, it's tied to His healing. The compassion in, the, in chapter 20, the compassion He had on them and immediately they received their sight. Jesus looks at our distress. He sees it. How well do we see one another in the church? For the most part, we see the distress of somebody with an acute illness, an injury, something that just happened like a a broken leg or there's some kind of noticeable sickness that happened. And we look and we pay attention. We're somewhat caring, but they're temporary things that we're usually looking at, things that we see in people's lives that we can tell there's a light at the end of the tunnel. At some point in time, this too shall pass. And so there's a sense that as we come alongside, even as we pray for those people, it's really not hard to pray. Because for the most part, they're going to get better. In fact, sometimes the amount of faith that we actually are exercising is not much at all in the sense that really all we're doing is praying that they would get better faster. Are you with me? Sometimes all we're doing is really just praying for somebody to get better faster. Because we feel like, well, they'll probably get better. It's a whole different story when it's someone who has a chronic sickness. It's gone on and on with no end. Including a, a sickness that's not just physical, but sicknesses that are mental or emotional distress. We find it difficult to pray for the more difficult cases People who are weighed down with difficult sicknesses can be more difficult for us. Part of it is because they can be more difficult. Somebody that's lived with it for a long time ends up sometimes having the way they are and the way they're dealing with it is not necessarily best. And so people just kind of stay away from them after a while. But it's also difficult because it's hard for us to really know what's going to... Yeah, we prayed... And we prayed for them when they first asked. But now it's been 18 years. And we have not been persistent in our praying. In fact, we haven't even been persistent in our looking at them. We're looking away too often. It seems probable that that Jesus noticed this woman walk in alone. Alone because so few cared about her, including obviously the synagogue rulers. I don't have to assume that. It says that. Jesus rebuked their uncaring religiosity, pretending to have this callous excuse about holding high the Sabbath. And yet Jesus in verse 15, if you look at verse 15 there. In verse 15, here's, here's kind of what he's saying. Let just, uh, I'll expand it just a little bit. You loose an ox who was tied up or bound on the Sabbath day and then walk it possibly a good distance to water and then back. You walk it possibly a good distance to water and back because it's not like it's just sitting there right there. Because to do otherwise would be cruel to the animal and not good for them. Yet when it comes to this woman who, and Jesus uses the same word, is bound 
or tied up for 18 years, you care more about your animal than you do about her, you hypocrites. This could have been the attitude of many people right then in that place as she walked in bent over not only a painful but even a shameful condition because everybody's looking down on her figuratively and literally with everybody looking down on her they're probably pointing maybe maybe they were maybe they're making fun maybe they weren't they're just talking about the oddity talking about the outcast because she was not perfect maybe they didn't do it in a noticeable day in a noticeable way Maybe they just pretended not to notice. Although after a while, some people really don't. And what happens is people like this woman just would become blind to them. Which is probably why she was so surprised when Jesus cried out, called out, Woman! When Jesus cried out to her, Woman! In verse 12. Probably the first time somebody had talked to her in a long time there certainly something like that calling attention to her woman who me somebody sees me as a human being yes you jesus sees her and her distress who is it that we are looking away from who is it that we are looking funny at because they are different in their distress. Are there people that we have less compassion for than our pets? Why do we stop looking their way? Some would say, because I, I don't know how to respond anymore. It, it's, just, it's gone on and I, I don't know what to say. I've said everything I can say. I've got nothing left to help them. I don't know how to help them. How about just your presence? How about just, I love you and care about you and I see you. Perhaps we stop looking their way because we feel like it's a lost cause. Nothing's ever going to change. Maybe it makes you uncomfortable to be around people who are, who are sick and it just, it's like nothing's changing. And so there, and there are people who actually think this and have said this. It's just a little depressing to be around them. It, it's, you know, when I'm around them, it, they just bring me down. But if you are a victorious Christian, and Christ Jesus lives in you by the Holy Spirit, shouldn't you be the one to bring them up? You say, well, I've tried, I've tried. Jesus hasn't stopped trying. Why should we? And please understand, if you're one of those people in those difficult situations, to recognize where you're at is not just the physical. It may be that Jesus wants to change that attitude of the victim to make you a victor before he gives you anything physical. We can only imagine that when certain religious people looked at her, they were less concerned about her condition and more about how she got into that condition. Surely she got that way because of sin, uh, either as a judgment upon her or as a consequence. And, and please understand that's possible. At times it's possible because of a wrong or neglectful behavior, like not taking care of our body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
God's not punishing you then at times. God's not punishing you physically. You're punishing yourself physically with the natural consequences that happen in our human body when we are not good stewards. But that's not her case. That's not her. The other way religious people look at someone in distress even today is by saying, well, they obviously didn't have enough faith for God to heal them. They must not have enough faith. Even today, by saying they didn't have enough faith, think about that. I suppose it's possible for someone not to have any faith. And we do have to have faith. There is a sense we have to trust and have to believe. We talk about the prayer offered in faith. But it's more of, do you have any or do you have even just a tiny little bit the size of a mustard seed? Because that's all you need. It's amazing how believers can be so judgmental of those with long-term sicknesses. Well, God must not be healing them because they're a bad person. Or maybe, uh, God, they're not worthy. Maybe they just don't deserve it. And you know what? We just go on and on and sound just like Job's Uh, it's hard to call them friends, but shall we say Job's judgmental friends, full of their good religious-sounding drivel that is ridiculous in advice, that actually does not look at Job in his distress, not the way God does. Somebody's going to say, yep, sickness, Pastor, people need to know. Sickness can be caused by sin. You know, that's true, but that's not the point of the passage here. The point is how we treat the person. And and okay, let's deal with it. There are times where our sin, unconfessed sin, can cause God to discipline us, to get our attention, and it may be physical things that happen with that. It happened with David in Psalm 32. He talks about how my bones wasted away in verse 3. And my groaning all day long for night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sap. He was experiencing a physical consequence. Not just physical consequence, but physical discipline because of his sin. But it says then that led him to recognize I needed to turn. I acknowledged my sin. I did not cover up my iniquity. And I confessed his transgressions and the Lord forgave him. And let's be clear. Then in, in all of this, even as we come in a little bit to inviting those who want to be prayed for for healing, it is appropriate to ask, is there any reason... The Lord should not answer your prayer for healing. That includes sin. That may include not being right with the Lord, not being right with others. Is there any reason why the Lord would not? And part of that is based on James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. We see it here. And is anyone among you sick? Then call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see, as it talks about how we should pray for someone who is sick and seeking healing, in that whole whole context is to talk about, hey, confess your sins. Get right. as a part of it. And sometimes maybe what God wants to do is to make it right with Him before He makes it right in you. In other words, this spiritual healing needs to take place before physical healing. 
This is one of the advantages of us having communion earlier. A communion on days like this. Because the hope is that we don't take communion unworthy. And that we are right before the God. And able to come before Him as it deals with healing. Even as it talked in 1 Corinthians 11 that I read earlier. But none of that is why this woman is in distress. None of that is the reason. Verse 11 talks about the spirit of infirmity. In verse 16, it says Satan had bound her. These are the reasons. There's a sense that this woman's story could be similar to Job that we were just talking about, the distress of Job. Because what happened to Job was not because of his sin, right? What happened to Job, in fact, Job out of anyone in the whole world at that moment was more righteous and more godly than anyone And yet he was afflicted, not just with all the different things that happened bad in his life, so to speak, that we think about, but even physically. In fact, in Job 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2, it talks about that in verse 7 of chapter 2. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. There is a real sense that Satan himself afflicted, afflicted Job. And as well, this woman was afflicted. Now, I suppose there's a number of ways that we could look at how Satan does this. Obviously, with Job, there is a direct attack going on right there. There's a direct attack that is taking place in that sickness. But sometimes, I think what happens is just sickness is a part of our fallen world. We're not in heaven yet. Some people might be surprised to hear that. Um, But we're not in heaven yet. And sickness is a part of this fallen world. It's natural things that happen. And sometimes I think what happens is as we get sick, but something that is natural in this world, that Satan can then come in and get a foothold in that and make our distress stronger and longer than it needs to be. Not that he is the one that started it in the physical, but he is certainly the one that's going to do what he can to finish you. Mentally, emotionally. In such a way that the physical pain is even worse than it really needs to be. But Jesus looks at our stress, has compassion for our distress, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whichever it is, Jesus sees it all. He knows what you're going through, He knows what you need, and He can set us free from sickness. He looks, He looks, not just what we're talking about, but He looks for your desire. Not just at our stress, but He looks for our desire, meaning, Your desire, not just for healing, but your desire, more importantly, for Him. Look at verses 10 and 11 here in our passage. On the Sabbath day, when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, and the woman was there who had been crippled by a spear for 18 years, as it's talking about her there. Here she was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, the exact place she should have been, And we have no other indication but the way this is reading here, but to assume that she regularly came to the synagogue on the Sabbath. That was her habit. All right? She appears to be a regular attender is what I'm saying. She didn't just come to this service to meet Jesus. She could have done that out on the street. In fact, many of the healings Jesus did were outside of the temple. Many of the healings He did. She didn't have to do it there. But here she was in God's house... 
And despite what people thought of her, she was still in God's house. Despite her physical condition that made it difficult for her to get around and out, she still was there at God's house. She was doing the right thing that she saw as a believer because of her desire for God. What do we let keep us from being in God's house with God's people that we have a greater desire for than Him? This faithful woman puts many to shame. Here she was, in the right place. Not just physically, but spiritually. She was in the right place, and that's when God decided to work in her life. Do you understand? Say she was in the right place. She didn't turn away from God because she's been afflicted with this for 18 years. And not just the physical part of it, but everything else that comes with that the way she was. She didn't turn away from God. She turned towards Him. She was not bitter. She was not angry. Even after 18 years of dealing with this. I hope for those here today that want to see Jesus set you free from sickness or in the right place that even more than all of that want to see Jesus. Here we have a woman who had the right desire, who was faithful to God, full of faith in God. Now you say, oh, you're just assuming that just because she showed up church doesn't mean, quote church, doesn't mean that she was full of faith because we know that even today, right? Well, but there's more to it. You read in verse 16, look at verse 16. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be set free? What Jesus says uh, of this woman is he calls her a daughter of Abraham. Now some of you might think that's just a reference to her nationality or a religion or perhaps because she's Jewish she's entitled to a blessing, but that's not what it's about. Just being religious, just going to church, just reading your Bible, praying, doesn't get us healed any more than all that stuff gets us to heaven. That's not what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for those whose desire is for Him and Him alone as Savior and Lord. Think about that last part. Why commit your sickness to Jesus if you won't commit the rest of your life to Him? How can we possibly expect that we're just going to say, Jesus, I just want you to take the sickness away, but I'm not willing to give everything. And all commit to Him who wants not to set us partly free, but fully free. Jesus is looking for our desire for Him, not just for a Savior, but for a healer. And I'm not just talking about that we believe Jesus is one who heals, but just as we believe, and any more than we say we believe Jesus is one who saves. We don't just say, I believe Jesus is someone who saves, do we? We say Jesus is my Savior. And so Jesus is not just one who heals. Jesus is my healer. And there is a difference between those two statements. As we think about this woman, we see a similar term. I said that she was called a daughter of Abraham. There's a similar term in Luke 19 about describing Zacchaeus. 
Not the thieving traitor of a tax collector, Zacchaeus, but the transformed, redeemed follower of Jesus, Zacchaeus. Jesus called him that in front of all those people to say about Zacchaeus there, because all of them were thinking something different. Jesus calls him that to indicate that he was a true believer. And therefore, she, as a daughter of Abraham, was a true believer, one who had a desire for God. And yet, even more than a daughter of Abraham, it was that she was a child of faith because that's what Abraham was all about. A man of great faith who believed God, who walked not by sight but by faith. He stepped out to follow God. He believed literally the impossible, and not just the impossible for so many different things that happened in his life, but literally the impossible for that which physically should not, could not have happened. Uh, we see that in Romans chapter 4, and verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as he had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And Abraham continued to be that child of faith, depending on when you want to count, start counting when the promises, when the promise happened exactly with this. Anywhere from almost 15 to 25 years, Abraham waited. He waited for the miraculous thing, not spiritual. There was that that happened. Abraham waited for the miraculous thing physically to happen. And the longer he waited, the more impossible it became physically, humanly speaking. This desire that Jesus is looking for is in those who would believe and keep walking by faith even if it's been 18 years. Like with this woman, nothing had changed, nothing had been different. Her desire had to be with Jesus. I mean, we, we certainly don't doubt that she prayed. Do we stop believing after time? Uh, although, let me just say, not that we have time, but I think there is a sense that sometimes we hear from God about certain things. We hear what Paul heard in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. And we need to receive that. For my power is made perfect in weakness. After 18 years of sickness, what would our head say? After 18 years of sickness, what would our heart be saying? Will Jesus still find desire for healing and for Him? Well, let's be perfectly clear about some of the things here. It is not faith that heals us. Jesus does. Not faith healers. Jesus does. And here's something else we can learn from this woman. That we should not judge someone's faith level by their healing level. Do you hear that? Do not judge someone's faith level by their healing level. And on top of this, let us make sure that our desire is more for the healer than for healing. To desire Jesus. Because when we desire Jesus and when we have Jesus, we have the whole package, so to speak. Including His best will for us. For even though not all will be cured here, 
all believers will be healed. If not in this life, in the next. And I know some people like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. They get frustrated hearing that. And part of the frustration is because we're so blinded on in our focus right here and right now. Which is not the way God looks at us. God, when He looks at us as His children, He sees an eternal soul, an eternal person when He looks at us. But we get frustrated, even if, think about it, even if we are sick for 80 years on this earth and then die, like, oh, I was sick my whole life. No, you weren't. You're going to live forever. You were sick one little dot of your life, one little tiny dot of eternity. Yes, you were sick. Nothing compared to what people are experiencing in hell right now. We got to see things from the bigger picture. There's a sense that if we really get what we wanted, and what some people would want, and say, well, I don't know, God just didn't heal me. Think about it. If, we got, if everybody really got what they were saying they wanted with these temporary tents, our bodies of ours, we would just be healed all the time. None of us would ever die. And that means that we would have to stay here on this cursed, sinful earth for the rest of eternity. Is that really where we want to stay? Is that really what it's about? Don't we want to be in Revelation 21 tells us where he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. Surely this woman of faith prayed in the past many times and she continued to trust God and still she waited upon God. Let me show you a verse out of Isaiah chapter 40. Most of us read it. Remember it from King James, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. And this verse does have to do with waiting, but sometimes we kind of miss it by just here and there because the other versions say a different word instead of waiting. They would say, but those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, it's not one or the other, it's both. Because biblical waiting is expectant hopeful waiting biblical waiting is not just sitting and thinking well someday it'll happen i don't know you know what no it's it is waiting it's like this uh if i can go back here's this eagle just sitting there waiting the wings are there and in fact um there was a, a a devotional that i saw this in that talks about this and and it says about eagles and how they know how to wait they perch themselves on a cliff or a treetop. You kind of see it there, or see it there. <laughs> on a cliff or a treetop, patiently anticipating the right updraft before opening their broad wings. We don't imagine eagles muttering, Come on, wind! Or when will this traffic light change? Or I'm tired of being sick, when will this end? When the wind lifts and carries them, their flight is almost effortless. Do we have a desire to wait upon the updrafts 
of the Lord that carry us on? Are we willing to wait on the wind of the Holy Spirit to come even today and set us free from sickness? It may be 18 years we're waiting. It may not be 18 seconds we're waiting. Here's something interesting with this. It's a little different. That is that Jesus, uh, oftentimes people cried out for mercy. She did not. Instead, Jesus, knowing all about her sort of stress, he calls to her. She who had waited, full of hope, hopeful. Here was this day. Just think about it. Imagine this woman coming just like she had done every other day. It was just like every other. No, it wasn't. This suddenly was now a day like no other for her. She didn't know that coming. She didn't know that any more than today. Some of you know that. But you know what? She came ready. Her wings were out, so to speak. She came ready, right with Him, desiring, not just a healing, but desiring the healer. Do you hear Him call Him today? Is today the day to catch the wind of the Spirit to be set free? And you notice what took place here. In verse 12, Jesus called her out. What took place here was she came forward. It wasn't just, hey, let me come to you. She had to come to Jesus. She had to step out, actually, wherever she was at in that service, so to speak. She had to step out and step forward in faith and come towards him in front of all those people. And in some ways, that's what's going to happen today. In just a few minutes, the worship team's going to come and we're going to sing. And at that time, if you want God to work in you, there's a sense to step out, just like this woman did, and come forward. And we might meet Jesus here as we pray, to step out as an act of faith and your desire to be set free from this sickness. We see in verse 13 here, look what took place. Woman... You are set free from your infirmity, it says 12. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Healed physically, healed perfectly, healed in every way. Jesus laid his hands on her. There will be people today as you come that will be laying hands on you, so to speak, praying for you. It says it talks about that. We read that earlier in James chapter 5 about having the elders come and anoint And so as we do that, not only with the elders, but others that maybe you're a burden for that particular person, you want to come and put your hands on them. Perhaps you have a sense that God has given you a gift, whether it's in healing or in some other way that would be appropriate to come and to pray with someone. But this woman, in that moment, she straightened up from the inside out. And we've got to remember this because it wasn't just physical that was happening to her. Remember, it was a satanic effect on her body. Not that she was demon-possessed or that she was oppressed. It doesn't seem that way because we don't see of any demons being cast out or anything like that. But it was a sickness that was definitely from Satan. And that's not the way every sickness is. And perhaps as you're struggling through some things today, as you come for prayer, that you would share that with us. You say, I'm just not sure if the enemy has some, some part in this. And for us to pray along those lines as well. But Jesus has authority, all authority, all power over the enemy and his forces. Jesus has touched her. 
And deliverance came because he is the victor over all. We've got to ask ourselves as you come. And it, here's a concern I think sometimes is we believe Jesus can heal. There's probably most of you here today would just say, Amen, Pastor. And we even believe many are willing to believe Jesus will heal and even will heal me eventually. But with that kind of attitude, oftentimes what happens is we pray in faith in that moment and walk away in unbelief. Are you with me? As we're praying in faith, yes, God to do it. But we really are thinking He will eventually heal me as we pray in faith. And then we just stop believing because it just doesn't happen. We're no longer waiting. Our wings are no longer open, so to speak. There are times that God chooses to heal over time. We're not denying that. There are times Jesus chooses to heal there and not here. But let's at least admit today, as we read in the Scriptures, as we see right here in this passage, is that Jesus also heals right here, right now. And that at least needs to be one of the options on the table this morning is that Jesus can set us free from sickness right here, right now. Looking for your deliverance. You see, what Jesus is ultimately looking for is our deliverance. That's what He wants. It happened for her immediately, instantly. She was set free. I'm not saying everybody, this is not some big... Oh, hey, we're all just going to... But we've at least got to have this option on the table. Because it's Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we pray for one another, when you who maybe are not going to gather around are just going to be out there, what do I do? You need to be praying as you're looking upon these people. Worship team, would you go ahead and come at this time? You need to be praying. That God would work, God would heal, and not just eventually... But why not trust Him for right now and we will continue to trust Him? It may be that you've been sick for a long time. And if God hasn't told you, you know what, this, my grace is sufficient for you. This is it. Uh, and this is, unless He has said that and you know that, then why not, like this woman after 18 years, find that healing? You see in verse 16, Jesus says to them, this woman, this woman, that Satan is bound for 18 years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. Should not, uh, King James says, ought not this woman be set free. Meaning what? Yes. Ought not there be people, should not there be some today, if not all, set free. Jesus can set us free from sickness. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as you continue to, that even as we sing this song, recognizing who you are, God, that there would be those who would just step out like this woman and come down, come forward. Jesus, be healed by you, by your choice.
by your will, by your timing, but we recognize that today could be that day, just like that woman who came in, and it was the day, that day. We want to recognize that you are powerful enough to heal, not just in heaven, but here. We thank you for that, Jesus.